Welcome back to Change Voices, where we explore the challenges, successes, and lessons of leadership through the experiences of women leaders across Africa and beyond. I am your host, Paula Frey. This week, we are at the Office of the Centre for the Study of Violence and Reconciliation in South Africa, and we're talking to the Executive Director, Nomfunda Mahapi, about healing in the workplace. Nomfunda is a registered clinical psychologist with a master's degree from Witts University in Johannesburg. She has extensive experience working in the field of traumatic stress. She has specialized in psychosocial interventions with ex-combatants, torture survivors and survivors of crime. Nomfunda, thank you for hosting us today. So why don't you start off by telling us, how did you get into um, working in this field of trauma? So I think as a kid, I've always been passionate about our continent. And I, I call myself one of the transitioning generations where, you know, you had the lived experience of apartheid, but you were an adult by the time we've had freedom. And just seeing the destruction of some of this trauma at a psychological level. And my passion is not just only the one-on-one trauma, but it's how you take the knowledge of trauma and use it to shift larger processes in society, whether it is institutional transformation, whether it is peace building or violence prevention. So that's what I've always been passionate about. And I think, you know, trauma and my knowledge of trauma has given me a vehicle to be able to do that. And being at CSVR and the leadership of CSVR and engaging with policymakers has really put me in a unique position. It gives me an opportunity to talk to people to understand that it's not just about a trauma. I talk about it more as woundedness because it really encompasses the level of psychic damage that happens to people when they go through the kinds of experiences that we've gone through as women both in our society, but also within our own interpersonal relationships. And what I'm passionate about is for people to see how they can do this work beyond just one-on-one therapy. And that is really what I'm passionate about, and to show people the linkages between dealing with yourself and your woundedness and the larger process of ensuring a prosperous, peaceful, economically thriving continent. Because sometimes we don't see those linkages. Absolutely. I mean, as you were talking there, I was thinking that it's almost like, I mean, we contain this into a room with a therapist behind closed doors. There's almost a little bit of a stigma, isn't there, around issues of dealing with your own woundedness, as you call it. So then how do we get people to talk about it? You know, when I talk to people, um, especially leaders, I don't talk as much about only just them being traumatized and wounded. What I say to them is that if you work in a continent like ours and a country like ours in South Africa, taking care of yourself and learning how to deal with woundedness and trauma is not a luxury, but it's a necessity. Because we are surrounded by woundedness at a number of levels. First of all, we are surrounded by woundedness just in our context. The reality is that the context of South Africa was never designed to support the success, especially of women generally and um, black women specifically. 
this whole society, its whole infrastructure at a psychological level, economic level, had centuries that were designed to actually exclude. So that for me, it just the institutions is woundedness in and of itself. And secondly, we live around people who are themselves broken. So the people that are our partners, the people that we're supposed to lead, they bring their unresolved trauma into the workplace. So if you're going to be a leader, you need to learn how to deal with people when they are triggered. Because the key thing about trauma is that if it's not unresolved, your day-to-day experiences that remind you of the trauma trigger you, and then you respond from that space of woundedness. And then, of course, we also personally, um, as, as, as women and as leaders, we carry our own trauma. I call it more than just trauma, I call it our rivers of life. That if I was to go out and write my river of life, there are certain experiences that have wounded me. And if I don't deal with them, they can stand in the way. And so there's a number of ways in which you can actually deal with it. The first one, for example, for me here at the Center for the Study of Violence and Reconciliation, I tell all my managers, as long as you are a manager in South Africa, coaching is not a luxury, but it's a necessity. Because even if you are not wounded, the people bring trauma. That is the reality. And if you don't know how to deal with it, then the trauma and their issues will sabotage the the purpose of the organization so it's around how you deal with your own trauma use coaching i would sometimes even suggest that you do invest in therapy so here it says we are we've invested when i go and fundraise with donors i tell them that in a country like south africa self-care has to be a critical component of the organizational infrastructure so i put money aside for self-care for staff so that they can be able to get counseling and then of course finally you have to look at institutional transformation we have to understand that our institutions are also filled by woundedness we know that the history of south africa has to do with our relationship with authority with power which is very conflicted people want it but they hate it it reminds them of their trauma so if you don't have a conscious investment in institutional transformation such as team building for your people opening ways of how do you talk about hard conversations then this trauma interferes with the success of the institution it sounds like you're basically advocating for us to do the difficult work are you also saying that almost everyone in the organization has some form of trauma that we need to deal with Look, I don't see how you could grow up in a country like ours and remain unscathed by the experiences that we've had. So even if you yourself may not be traumatized, I've done quite some work also around what I call collective trauma, which means that the psyche of our society is traumatized and it informs everything that happens. So as long as you live in the society, you need to invest in expanding your emotional capacity to be able to deal, if not your woundedness, at least the woundedness of others. I am still yet to meet a South African whose river of life has no trauma. Almost all of us um, have been touched by that. And we also know with the high levels of sexual and gender-based violence in our homes, the majority of women have stories that they have to tell about their own experiences of um, violations 
it may not always be the extreme violations of sexual violence, but just of oppression and being excluded because of your gender or of the color of your skin. So we all come with our wounds. The important thing, Paula, is not as much the wounds, but it's are you awake to your wounds? The danger is when you are asleep to what your wounds are and you have not dealt with them. And the second one is have you facilitated a process of healing? So it's all about being awake to what I bring to the workplace and how it impacts my relationship, how I lead and how I do the work that I do. Could we talk a little bit about that then? So, I mean, when you talk about being awake to your wounds, what what does that mean in practical terms? If I was going back to Frey Intermedia, what kind of conversations would I be facilitating among staff about being awake to their own wounds? Mm. So being awake to your wounds, I think, first of all, let's just look at you individually as a leader. It means knowing yourself. It means investing in knowing your own history, in knowing the experiences in your life that have shaped who you are. So what we usually would do with some women, we would literally, I also usually just do this as a leader now and again, where I would literally sit down and I would draw my river of life from when I was born and up until now and what my experiences were. Now, the important thing is with the experiences is when you go through a traumatic or a wounding experience, first of all, it shapes your emotional world. So you begin to understand what are the emotions that I have a relationship with. Some of us is emotions of anger, maybe because of how anger was expressed at home. Some of us is emotions of grief because we've never really grieved. Um, some of us is emotions related to um, feeling like you are a failure. So what are some of the emotions that because of your own history, you have an unhealthy relationship with those emotions? And most of the time is the unpleasant emotions. And when you have you don't have a healthy relationship with certain unpleasant emotions, people either do two things. They either completely avoid or suppress them. And when you avoid or suppress certain emotions in the workplace, they will find unhealthy ways of coming up and resulting into conflict. Or some people don't sit with the emotions and process them, so they project them onto the other. So they will just attack the other person. So also the work on your cognitive processes. So trauma affects the way in which you think. From your definition of who you are as a person, so if you grow up feeling that, you know, I am a failure because maybe I failed as a child and my dad was too harsh and my mom, they could never affirm me, and that's your identity. When you are in the workplace, if someone else has failed, what do you do? Because it touches the core of your wound. What are some of your IMs and your identity that is shaped by your woundedness? It also has to do with your belief system about people. Um, so if you grow up in a home of parents who abuse power, your relationship with power basically is that power cannot be trusted and you are now in a position of power. So it's really being awake to your cognitive processes, your emotions, and here's the thing, this is what I say to people, that when you're traumatized, if there's a situation at work and it touches my wound or my trauma, what will happen is that 10% would be about the trauma. So let's say I've got issues with authority, you are my boss, you, you, you say something that violates your power, 10% is about you. And normally I would have an adult uh, interaction with you and I'll come and I'll say, Paula, what you've done was... Um, and court for it made me feel not respected, you violated, we should look at a way. Mm -hmm. But what happens is that when you're wounded, 
90% becomes about the wound. And you find that people then have exaggerated responses to situations. So it doesn't just become polar, but it becomes you representing what my mom did for me. And all of a sudden, something that is minor that could have been handled becomes bigger than it actually is. So that's then how it interferes. Mm -hmm. So it's really doing that work with yourself, transforming yourself, and then also being able to help your people to also be more awake to themselves. And just one thing that I wanted to say that, you know, the most important thing for leaders is not as much about changing people, but it's about transforming yourself. Because you transform people not by what you say, but also by how you are as a leader. The more they see you being awake and being present to yourself, the more they hear the conversation you have about your and how you deal with emotions, the more you give them permission to also be able to deal with those things. And it sounds like it's a process, so it's not we're going to have this conversation today, but rather that it's a process that unfolds over time and that you have to persist with it. I'll go back to what I said to say that if you are a leader, you have to invest in coaching. There are people who are trained to assist you with developing some of these skills. So that's exactly what coaching will do. And that's exactly what sometimes counseling will also be able to do. So it's almost as if you have to relearn the things that you were not able to learn when you were a child. Because the ideal is that when you grow up, your parents should role model for you how to deal with your emotions, how to feel about yourself. But when they themselves are broken, then you learn unhealthy and dysfunctional ways of being in the world. So as an adult now, you need a coach to help you to unlearn and relearn more healthy ways of being and how to deal with just being you and some of your traumas. I think you once called it internalized yes. trauma, right? Once you get to that stage of recognizing what the things are that trigger you, what's the next step? The next step is doing the work. Mm -hmm. So the work is the work of beginning to transform the wound. So you begin to learn what is it that I learned in this wound? What are some of the belief system that I had carried that were unhealthy and I wasn't even conscious? And then you begin to develop new belief system. So let's use the simple um, example about a failure. So you go in and you have the experience where you failed something, but at home they don't tell you to say, no, you just failed, you know. Failure is part of success. You're still loved, you're still lovable. But you stay in a home environment that makes you feel that because you have failed, you are a failure. So as a child, you come in, you failed, and then dad tells you, why would you do this? You're useless, and he's harsh towards you. So what happens is that as a child, you then develop a belief system that says, because I failed grade one or grade two, I am a failure. That becomes your identity. So as an adult, you are not even conscious that I feel that I am a failure, so I have to constantly please this dad. The transformation of the wound is beginning to make you aware of this unhealthy belief system that is driving some of your unhealthy behaviors and to begin to change how you talk about yourself. So you have to learn again to give yourself what your parents couldn't give you, to affirm yourself again, to say, I am worthy, I am enough. I am not defined by my accomplishment. I am not a failure. So once you give yourself that, then you renew a healthy relationship with yourself. So with each of the wounds, there's that work of beginning to transform the relationship that you have. The other thing that you also learn is um, to 
learn to know yourself so when failure comes up you begin to know oh this is my wound now and under normal circumstances when i'm asleep i would have attacked another person but i'm able to pause and say okay Nomfundo, this is your wound this is your issue pause before you respond and when then you respond the next time you respond with the 10 percent and not the 90 percent so there are a variety of skills that you can learn on how to transform these wounds that we all carry with us. But we do live in a society that's very much about kind of, oh, just move on. Right? What, are you, what are you clinging to the past for? It's been 25 years since 1994 and the end of apartheid, and you're still clinging to this. Yeah. I mean, it's long work, isn't it? It's hard work. I think that is the discourse that needs to shift, and that is mostly why I'm doing this work. Because I see that one of the downfall of Africa and one of the reasons why we haven't been able to achieve what we wanted is this neglect of the human element. Because at the end of the day, Paula, you can have the most well-designed programs, the most well-designed strategic plans, implementation plans, if the people who are responsible for driving that are wounded if they are wounded they will sabotage that and i think as a continent because of this concept of move on don't deal with it and the neglect of our own pain we have completely neglected that and it's catching up with us what is happening in our politics our recent politics in south africa it has been the wound of the anc playing itself out in how they lead our society so it is not serving us to say that we have to neglect dealing with the past and just move on. Because the past needs to be seen, it needs to be heard, and it needs to be transformed for you to be able to go into the future differently. Otherwise, if you think just forgetting it is going to solve everything, then you're going to be in trouble because it will keep on bringing the ghost that will sabotage your present and your future. And we're seeing it in South Africa now. How does this play out on a national stage then, right? So, I mean, it's easy to see how I can go back into Frey Intermedia and do some hard work there. But how do we do this in our communities and on a national stage? I usually talk about this at a national stage. From the work that we've done in collective trauma, I say that in, in societies that have the kinds of wounds that I've talked about, you, you can have two types of leaders, and that's where leadership really becomes important. You can have leaders who are trauma carriers, or you can have leaders who are peace carriers. Now, both these leaders, because they are leaders, they've got the capacity to speak to the wound. But what the trauma carriers do is that when they speak to your wound, they leave you feeling worse. I don't know if you know those leaders, right? Who they come in and you're complaining about housing, and they come and they talk to communities. They articulate the pain, but by the time they leave, they leave the communities feeling angrier, more divided, and more ready to go and fight. Yeah? So those are the trauma carriers. And you have leaders who are peace carriers. These are the leaders who have worked also on themselves. They are awake to themselves. They are awake to their own trauma, and they are awake to their responsibility on how they deal with the trauma. They are able to read the, the psychological environment and contain it. So what these leaders do when they come in, same situation. When you talk to them about your problems, by the time you leave, you feel heard, you feel understood. But the difference is 
you feel inspired towards a goal that is bigger than yourself. So we've seen this in the communities that we work with in South Africa, just to give you a practical example. So we've been doing a lot of work since 2009 on what we call collective violence. So these protests that tend to then become violent. And what we found is that some of these leaders, when they come in, because of their wound, right? So the core of the wound of our leaders in the struggle was around the third force, around betrayal. I mean, there was a deep wound. So trauma, of course, if you are asleep, it impacts what you hear and what you see. So they would come in and meet the communities. And sometimes there would be a third force, there would be other people. And because of their wound, they would not be able to hear the plight of their communities. Their wounded coping strategies is to hear the third force. So by the time they hear the communities, but they will speak to the third force, and they will leave the communities feeling more agitated and not hate because they will then go to the media and saying, this is the third force, this is other people, this, 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 and people will become even more violent. So at a national level, when leaders are unaware, they could actually take a situation that could have been contained and turn it into a violent situation. And we've seen this over and over again. And that has been the appeal uh, of our leaders. And interestingly, I mean, Paula, we now, after the elections, we had a campaign that we called hashtag leaders hear us, because we were appealing to the leaders to say the ability to just hear and listen to people's pain can go a long way in, in containing the struggles of our societies. But some leaders, if you haven't learned to hear your own pain, how are you able to hear other people's pain? So that is at a national level. Things like sexual and gender-based violence, our leaders never dealt with that. There is still untold stories of pain, of the violation of some of the lead of our own leaders. And how can they be able to then to begin to engage with gender-based violence in our nation? So that's how it's playing itself out. Are there examples in South Africa or on the continent of leaders who have dealt with the pain and have shown that we can move forward from there? I'm going to use one that is based on the communities themselves, and I'm going to use a famous one, which I think is obvious to most of us. So and when we were doing our research, there was this community that we worked with in Bokfontein, and we were looking at how they were dealing with the CWP, the Community Works Program. And what was interesting for us was that when there was protest in Bokfontein, it didn't result into violence, but other communities it did. And the interesting thing was that that whole program was designed, yes, it was a, a, a community works program to deal with socioeconomic stuff, but they integrated healing components in it. So they had workshops to help communities to deal with their rivers of life, with their trauma, and to look at how they could work together. So already the program appreciated the wounded context. And what was interesting was that then the levels of uh, xenophobic violence and violent protests were much lower in that community. So that was one example. And the other one, which is really the, the famous one, is Madiba himself. You know, Madiba did a lot of work in the 27 years. He, I mean, just read some of his book, Conversations with Myself. This is somebody who really worked with themselves over these years. And just, he had that amazing capacity of coming to a people who are angry and frustrated 
and hear the pain of the people and of course speak to other people that might be problematic but by the time he was done he would compel you towards a vision that was bigger than yourself so when these leaders do this you find that then the vision takes the foreground and the wound takes the background but with the ones that are wounded the wound takes the foreground and the papers takes the the background so we can begin to learn with some of these people in terms of the investment that they make in relation with just general leaders in africa i had always for me had a question to say amongst the advisors of our leaders like how can you lead a traumatized society like the societies that we have and not have an advisor who looks at the psychosocial stuff and i've been asking people who advise presidents in south africa who advise leaders they are surrounded by advisors political economic actually i still have to know if there's any president who actually has a psychosocial advisor who say to him before you go to those people let's analyze their psychological context let's analyze yours so that you respond to them from the perspective of understanding what that is and i think basically it's an appeal to the women leaders that get an advisor i always make sure that i also get a mentor who advises me when i am stuck at a psychological level to just take a back step and having psychology what we call an observing ego to observe myself and observe the people so i can respond not from my own wound but from a space that is healed i think that on that really kind of on that challenge to african leaders and to women leaders um and particularly let's end on that note i think there are more conversations to be had and hopefully we'll have them down the line thanks so much mm-hmm. nomfun it was a really good and interesting conversation yes no thank you thank you for having us and i mean just to say that we have a wounded leadership program that we are trying to to start that speaks exactly to these things so i think if any of the people are, are hearing this and they are interested whether it's for your corporate uh, is for your institution or if it's just for you personally um please just feel free to contact csvr and let's have more of a conversation on on how we can all work together towards creating the kind of society that we want excellent we'll certainly put the website address onto the um, podcast so people can actually follow up there Fundo's advice that taking care of yourself and learning how to deal with woundedness and trauma is not a luxury it's a necessity. Nomfundo believes that coaching is an effective tool to deal with trauma and that in doing so we can drive institutional transformation that will allow us to engage with the hard conversations. This starts by being aware to your own wounds and how these impact on your personal and professional relationships. Indeed, Once we understand our own triggers, we can develop new healthy belief systems. Finally, she notes that leaders can be trauma carriers or peace carriers. The question is, which one are you? Do let us know your thoughts. We are available on all Atfrey Intermedia social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can find more information about the work we do and the At Change Voices podcast on our website freeintermedia.com where you can also sign up for our newsletter. 
If you have any specific women in mind that you'd like to hear from, or if you want to support our endeavor, then you can contact me directly at pfray at frayintermedia.com or direct message me on social media. Remember to subscribe so that you don't miss out on our next conversation and rate us on whichever platform you listen on. Thank you for your time and for joining today's discussion. Until next time, let's lead.